You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Impact Dynamics. And now, over to your hosts. Hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. Uh, this is uh, one of our episodes in the US. I don't remember which one we're up to, Butters. Any ideas? One sixteen. Okay, we'll do that. I'm going to plan it so it's wrong now, <laughs> just to prove you wrong. Uh, and we are in a beautiful spot called Boulder, Colorado. We're sitting down here at Bison Tactical, and we have the owner, Fred, sitting in front of me. How are you, Fred? Pretty good. Thanks. Thanks for coming on board. A beautiful little place in here. It's a gorgeous little town you live in. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Really close to the mountains. Huge big mountains up the side. It a was cold uh, right now. Yeah, you're not wrong. We we're here a couple of days ago, and it was uh, there was inches and inches of snow. I don't. I One don't degrees, know. I think we had. Yeah, uh, if that. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, it was cold, but uh, it's nice and warm in here. And we were all out shooting a match together in Colorado Springs on the weekend. How did you gentlemen go, Fred? Oh, how was it? It was. It was good. Uh, it's was a prone match or a belly match. Uh, put on by Pikes Peak Precision. Yep. And they, um, Lou Smith, I think, was the guy who was the match director. Mm. And it was a, uh, it was fun, but uh, kind of difficult. So, <laughs> lo- a lot of it wind. was bloody hard. Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of strange wind and uh, small targets. Uh, one one shot per target a lot of the time, which yeah. made it hard. So once you figured out what the wind was doing, then you had to move on. Mm. So. It was a tough match, I think. Well, I think all three of us and, and many of the other competitors thought it was one of the toughest matches they've been to. Yeah, for a club series match too, particularly. Yeah, it was. Uh, now, where was that Cheyenne shooting? Uh, yeah, Cheyenne, Cheyenne Shooting Complex, I think, okay. right outside Fort Carson. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a cool just, range. Went out to about a le- just shy of 1,200 yards. Yeah, I think actually the uh, the official shooting area is shorter and we use some of the rear areas. So right. they, they let. Are we not let, allowed to talk about that? Is that? No, I think it's okay. But okay. if people go to use the range on times uh, other okay. than club matches, they probably can't shoot. They that can't far. shoot that far. But we were obviously able to extend it out yep. for the day. Yeah, it was, it was, it was good. It was interesting. They had sixty shooters. Yeah, the the biggest turnout we've had so far for one of our club matches. Well, we're going to claim full credit, aren't we, butters? Definitely. <laughs> I heard the Aussies were coming <laughs> because the same thing happened in Arizona. The Arizona match we shot, it was yep. the first time they filled the match. Oh, nice. So uh, definitely, all credit. We're yep. taking all credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll put well, there's definitely up. people that recognize you there, which is kind of kind of interesting. I Scary. mean, even though you guys are from mm. Australia. <laughs> well, the, I think the, the most amazing experience we had was in this shop a few yeah. days ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was a surprise. That, no, I paid that I, guy ahead of time. I was surprised. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for doing that. We had a guy who was he came into the shop, and we just we were hanging out here, and so we just sat down and let Fred do it, you know, obviously serve some customers and he came in and, and after about 10 minutes of asking about bags, he said, Oh, look, I'm going to let you go back to these gentlemen. Cause I've traveled a long way, uh, to be here. We're like, how what? do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> we, we haven't even said anything. You can't, you can't pick our accents yet. And he said, he just started watching the video channel a few days ago or a week or two ago. And, uh, anyway, so we gave him a t-shirt by the way, just, to, oh, nice. just to get him in. He was, he was just starting him out, um, looking at long range shooting. And he came out on the weekend for a look. Oh, did he? Did he, you see him? Yeah, no, I didn't there. see him. Was he down there? Ah, he yeah. made it to the match. Oh, great. He was there yeah. most of the day, too. He was He was there all day, I'm pretty sure. He mm. was there. Yeah, no, he was there all day. Oh, um, perfect. So he, because he, he said he was busy and he rescheduled a few things and made sure he got out there. Oh, that was that was good. I mean, it was great to like go actually watch a match and participate in it if you can. Yeah. 
Yeah, so. well and truly. So it was seven stages. It was seven and a half stages, really, because there was that zeroing the stage. zero stage. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which... Uh, which I lost half points on. Did you? Did you? <laughs> I had a zero. I really yeah. had a zero. <laughs> I had five rounds on my rifle before that, so... Yeah, okay. So it was there was a, a circle target, which was like the cold bore shot, and the, the closer to the center you got, the, the better, the more points. And then you had a five-shot group after that, uh, which was then based on group size. And... Well, you went first out of the the two of us, butters, and your rifle was on point. Yeah, it shot really well. Yeah, how how close were you on Cobor? Oh, a millimeter off the <laughs> dead, off, oh, tu- right. off touching the center. I was you, probably about a millimeter. You did hit the red, didn't you? you yeah, I was dead in the basically as dead center as and you can. And your group was pretty good. And the group was, I think, point four two. About point four, yeah. Yeah, which is good. And then I got, and so we should thank the guys who lent us rifles. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Lou Smith, who was the match director, yep. he loaned me his rifle that he shot last year in the tactical division. And mm. apparently he got second place with it, I think he okay. said. So what, what rifle was that? Was a... Yeah, I'm testing your memory. Or, <laughs> I know who made the action. Was it, was was it, a gap, it was a 308, wasn't it? Was it a 308 yeah. Gap action. I forget. Tempest. Gap Tempest action right. in an XLR chassis. With about two kilos of lead in the butt stop of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it was loose special. It was, it was solid. And then I, I've got to thank uh, Nick Hoyer for uh, for my rifle, um, which which had some interesting challenges with it, but to certainly appreciate it, Nick. And, and it wasn't zeroed, but he said it was a bit off anyway. So I was like you, Fred. I used that first stage to to check where I was up to. Actually, I went out and zeroed. So they, oh. they took away half my points uh, because uh-huh. uh, you you had to show up with a good zero, and I knew my zero was off. Or oh, I, I right. thought my zero was off. Actually, my zero wasn't really that off. So you, you lost half points if you took the opportunity to zero. Yeah, exactly. So And That's that was to try to get people to come with a zeroed rifle. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah. And and then I yeah, my group was about 0.45 or so, so I was, I was pretty happy with the group. Yeah. And then the uh, the match proceeded and yeah, it was I mean, I, I want to throw out a um, okay. a tip for other shooters too. Um always read the matchbook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't uh, I didn't realize I didn't check the stage, so I shot the for the center, the cold yeah. bore. And then I thought the rest of the time we they were going to score the group on closest to center. Uh, so no. I moved my group, and so my group is larger than it needed to be. So uh, yeah, I think I think we've all learned advice. that one several times though. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> is read the matchbook. Yeah. So yeah, definitely, uh, definitely read the matchbook. And there was there was one stage where we had some shoot and move. Oh yeah. So yep. yeah, you had four positions, five positions, five positions. Yeah. You had to shoot two rounds, move, and shoot two rounds, but they're all prone. So that certainly uh, got the heart rate up, mm. uh, which was nice because it was freezing cold. All, in all the on the same target too. All on the same target. Yeah, but they were little targets and they were high in the air as well. Yeah, like, there yeah. was probably other challenges. They were six foot up in the air for a lot of them, and so you you might you know you shoot and you miss and your your impact is hundred two hundred yards behind, uh, which is challenging to <laughs> to work out. Yeah, some of, some of the ones, particularly going up the gully, um, yep. where those targets were. Um, you know, they were on a kind of the the upper side of the gully, and then you had a gully behind it, and then a yeah. um, a rise behind that. So when you missed, it looked like you were low, but you were probably really high. Yep. So it's really hard to uh, yeah really compensate to, for that. Totally. And there, there was some challenges there where the you didn't see the impact; you would just go in the, yeah, the gully, yeah, and it was gone. So uh, that that made it tough, particularly when it was one shot on those targets, and you 
you had to move to no idea target. where they went sometimes yeah yeah and so those yeah. were those were w- protected by the wind too some of yeah. those areas so it was you were getting wacky wind uh, conditions yeah which you know the wind the wind is uh, is all part of it but it's hard when you can't read off anything yeah yeah but but you know fun fun day out it's good to see 60 people out there uh, For sure. shooting um, so you've got a, you seem to have a pretty healthy shooting scene here in Colorado. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of local people that do uh, a lot of precision shooting. Mm-hmm. So there's, um, there's plenty of matches. So there's, uh, pretty much every weekend you can go to a precision rifle match. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and then we have a lot of, uh, kind of within eight hours. So for us, eight hours is not that far. So yep. within eight hours, there's a lot of, uh, two day matches. So. Okay. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. That's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, no, eight hours isn't isn't that big a draw off. No, not out here with the big open distances, so it's not yeah. like driving through city traffic for nine yeah. hours. Yeah, absolutely. There's a bit of industry in in Colorado with that. I know XLR are based based here somewhere. I yeah, mean, a few hours away. But yeah, XLR is out of Grand Junction. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy just up the street um, who makes barrels in okay. the little town to the north of us called Lyons. Yep. Um, his name is Mark Chandlin. And mm-hmm. oddly enough, so you are you familiar with Bighorn Actions? I, I am, yes. So Bighorn Actions um, used to be based out of here, the town. Oh, right. Um, so <laughs> that Mark Chanlin was one of the guys who designed helped design Bighorn Action originally, yeah. he and A.J. Goddard, and they were located out of this area. Mm-hmm. And so there's a history of Bighorn in Boulder, and then it got sold off to Zermatt Tool, who now makes them. Okay, in Nebraska. You say Chandler, and he makes barrels. Are yeah. they Chandler barrels? Yeah. Because I think we were speaking to Justin at KRG, and they were saying the Sotic rifles often oh, use Chandler barrels. They can, yes. There's a yeah. Sotic rifle right there oh, that there. has a Krieger, but they can come with a Chandler barrel. Right, because he was saying not many people have heard of that. Yep. Uh, so he makes rif- barrels for the U.S. shooting team and a, a oh, bunch wow. of people, so... He's a so they're a bit of a like a, an under the radar sort of. Yeah, he does sort of zero situation. advertising on the internet. Wow, hmm. it's actually hard to find his number. <laughs> <laughs> but he's obviously keeping busy enough, then I guess. Yeah, he he's getting older though. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. And you know he has old old equipment, but he does right uh, right twist barrels mm-hmm. as well as left twist barrels. Okay. So it's um, you know you can get them in either one from him. Yeah, does which is options. uncommon. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And so that the the club that we went to on the weekend that's is that the biggest club or is that the main club or are there other That's a, that's the primary um club in Colorado for PRS. For PRS style. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's a there's a club that um has a lot of uh, matches in Utah as well. So a lot of okay. us will drive out there cuz that's not that far either. It's maybe, you know, 6 7 hours out to Utah. So if they have a yep. big match, um, we'll we'll go out to their matches, and sometimes we'll try to go out to their club matches as well if we can. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's certainly certainly good environment. Is that is that club relatively new, or is it is it? No, I think Pikes Peak Precision has been uh, around, and you know they have a a bunch of different guys with a bunch of different names. So there's like the Boom Squad, and oh, there's okay. like uh, Black Flag, um, you know. But that that club has been around for maybe two to three years now. Okay. Yep. And and obviously growing because yeah for sure just pumped up yeah sixty yeah well we had um we had a guy called Josh Goodwin come along who's the, the guy we've been staying with and he's never shot PRS or anything on those yeah. lines before uh, shot a you know he's shot all his life uh, but he thought oh, I'll, I'll come and give it a go with you guys just hang out with you guys for the day and he just borrowed a mate's rifle and uh, all the, the entire trip home 
he was talking about what he's going to get. You know, <laughs> he, was so, he was sold. He yeah. was absolutely sold, even though it was a really tough match. And even yeah. though it was... That's it, good to hear. It was probably a, mm. a hard match. It was a real tough first match. For sure. Yeah. yeah, that was the one the one kind of, you know, thing that I was a little... Would have uh, would have preferred maybe a bit easier. If people if people knew that it was hard match... Like there's some there's a Hoyer Hustle match out here. Yep. That's a really hard match to be a first match. Okay. There's another match that's not a PRS style match it's a field match it's called the uh noco match the okay. northern colorado match unfortunately it's the same weekend as the one we attended oh right <laughs> um but sometimes the the matches down there are easier for new people but i think yeah. that one was a tough one yeah so. but it, but even that i mean he, he loved the people he met yeah and he you know met a stack i mean he's that sort of bike he'll just meet everyone and uh i think at the end of, of the announcements he jumped up and said oh by the way just i'm interrupting here but uh, <laughs> if anyone's got a second-hand rifle that is set up for this mm. style um please let me know i wanted to get in touch I, I need to get a good gun to to suit the sport yeah because uh, he had a few challenges that day with his with his borrowed rifle which is definitely not set up for a prs rig but it yeah. was uh it was you know it got him shooting got him uh, you know i targets. think anybody knew if they come as long as they have a magazine fed rifle Yep. You know, they can kind of make it work. It may not be optimal, but you can make it work. If you don't have a magazine-fed rifle, the blind mags are going well, to be really tough. Funny you mention that <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, yeah, we we were, you know, sort of everyone was, was mixing RO duties and such, uh, yep. as, as seems to be pretty normal over here at the club matches. And so for many, <laughs> for him, often the RO was loading his rounds. <laughs> Oh yeah. So because he had, they were nice enough to help him out with. Yeah, that oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was very, uh, very good. And yeah, you know, Butters and I both did as well at their varying points. But it, you know, certainly just throwing an extra round in there. So he um, had a blind mag. It was the one inside the yep. action. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, that's uh, tough. He still made it work. You know, he still, <laughs> still did all right. So, except when. Uh, I, th- I know you jammed one of his rounds in. I I definitely nearly put one in backwards. No. Well, he told me you jammed one. <laughs> it nearly jammed. Okay, nearly. It jammed. Didn't go in straight. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, it was it was you know you, you you do what you need to make it make it work and make it happen. So sure. I did really enjoy. There was one stage there with a uh, KOL rack and a spinner. And oh that yeah. Was that was probably the my favourite. That was the most. I think the most appropriate. Most achievable. Achievable yeah. stage for the but, whole day. I unfortunately the, the rifle I was using for for some reason I'm I'm sure we'll find out in due course, but it's blowing Primus, uh, and and jamming up and I had that happen <laughs> three times on that one stage, <laughs> um, and that was uh, that was challenging. But anyway, after that stage we we retired the gun and uh, yeah. and I ended up using the one Butters was using, uh, and then uh, halfway through the 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 last stage I finally worked out the reticle. <laughs> uh, that the the two on the uh, trimmer three didn't mean two mil. It was unrelated to yes. the windage. windage. Yes, <laughs> so uh, that's yeah. a common. It's a common mistake. Well, the the first time I looked at the reticle was was when I was setting up for the stage and the time was about to start. So uh, I really didn't spend the time to uh, to get to know. But anyway, that's uh, those top that numbers on yeah. above the yeah, horizontal ranging, reticle. Ranging. Yeah, they're yeah. they're mover uh, Movers, mover yeah. mover numbers. Yep. Yep. Which uh, which. Didn't help. Yes, <laughs> but anyway, that's my uh, my lack of uh, experience with those reticles. Well, with that reticle, uh, the H fifty nine is the same way. Yeah, which is a uh, it's very confusing because they don't have numbers for the for mill the holds. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was uh, that was good fun. But overall, good match. Tough, tough match. Oh, it's tough as shit, but there, yeah, still enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And you picked up best FNG. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so you were, you were 14th all up. Uh, where, yep. where did you end up? 20 something. 20 something? Yeah. yeah. It's been 23rd, I think. 23rd? I think yeah. I was 42nd. I reckon, which I, uh, to be fair, using two different guns and having one sort of yeah. and <laughs> I was happy with. Um, and yeah, certainly exposed a number of weak points for me. Um, but yeah, there's plenty of those to work through. So all in good time. Yeah. All in good time. So you, you run Bison Tactical here in Boulder, Colorado. Yep. And I first came across you listening to Kirk's podcast, Precision Rifle Media. Okay, sure. Which is certainly where I, I heard of Bison Tactical first because you were advertised with them <laughs> and sponsored yep. them, which is mm. awesome. Um, and tell me a little bit about it because it's an un, it seems an unusual place for a, for a gun shop, but I, I suspect <laughs> you have a fair presence online. How did you get started here? Yeah, so, um, you know... Um, I got started, uh, got interested in long-range precision shooting, decided mm-hmm. to kind of um, try to sell some stuff to help uh, defray the cost and build up a business. Of course. Over time. And that's kind of how I got started. Uh, Boulder just to happen to be where I was. So yep. that's how, how, we got, uh, how we got located here. And uh, let's see. Um, that's kind of that's kind of how it all got started, <laughs> I guess. That's all right. So what, what piqued your interest in the long-range side of things? Uh I don't remember. No. I think I got invited out to a match or something. Okay. Um, oh no, you know, so I was, um, so I was shooting an M1A, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like an M14, a civilian model, the M14. Yep. And I was kind of trying to make it accurate. Um, I was playing around with scope mounts, like mm-hmm. mounting a scope on it or using iron sights. Yep. And um, I was trying to get a really good group, and I happened to be out at one of the um, ranges. And one of the PRS competitors was fireforming brass. And this was before PRS was really that popular. I just knew he was a precision rifle shooter. I didn't know he was a PRS shooter. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think it's Steve Cohen. No, it wasn't Steve Cohen. It was another guy. Uh, Steve Mann, I believe it was. Okay. And um, Steve Mann was at actually the match that we were at this past right. weekend. Okay. And uh, how, long ago, how long ago would this have been then? Six years, seven years? Yeah, I don't know. It's a long time ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't wow. remember. Sure. So I was, uh, I wasn't having any luck. I decided to kind of done. He was like, "Hey, you want to try shooting my rifle? I'm just fire forming. So yep. I'm just pulling the trigger. Like, okay. So I sat down and I shot a really small group for me at the time, which was at 100 yards, like a dime sized group. Yep. And then I kind of had, I wasn't sure up until that point if it were my skills that were the problem or if it was the equipment that was the problem because I yep. really couldn't figure it out. And then I was really pleased to see that had if I changed equipment i could shoot well yeah and that's what triggered me getting interested in mm, precision shooting okay. i knew that i needed better equipment that that m1a wasn't a precision rifle mm-hmm. more of a battle rifle and so i decided to switch to a uh you know a precision rifle and then yep. sort of got involved in the whole thing so what, what did you switch to Geez, I started with the thing that I <laughs> recommend people don't do at all. Okay. Actually, the barrel's laying around here. Oh, this, yeah, this that's the barrel. That's half it. sitting on? Yeah. Yep. That's the, uh, I had a Remington 700. I got it, like a smoking deal from um, one of the big box stores. Mm-hmm. Um, bought, uh, you know, on Black Friday, bought a really cheap Remington 700. <laughs> then proceeded to start changing everything and realized that <laughs> after I was already partway through that I was never going to get the money out of it. So mm-hmm. then I um, ultimately switched to... Um, something else and I went with a mousing field so okay but uh but I started with a Remington 700 yep didn't get hardly all, any in, of my money in out of it in 308 it seems like in 308 yep, yep. so okay. yeah good that was before 65 Creedmoor was around I yeah. ended up with a 260 on my mousing field okay so. yeah good choice nothing wrong with that I think all yeah. three of us shoot well 
not you, you anymore, but we, we've all got three two sixties. Yeah. Well, let's all, let's say we've all got a history of two sixties. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, a fresh history for butters. And and what was your first match, then? Oh geez. I'm uh, asking the tough questions here. Yeah. Right, but <laughs> uh, I don't remember. Don't remember. Uh, was, it, was it local? Was it a big one? It was a national level? Oh, uh, you know, it was probably a local match. I don't mm-hmm. think I went to right away to a big match, but I don't remember what my first match was. Um, hmm. We've stumped him. We've <laughs> stumped him with the challenge. Yeah, my, my memory is horrible. <laughs> okay, so clearly nothing traumatic happened at No, it. no. I mean, you know. <laughs> because I've asked some people what their first match is, and they can tell me like second by second recap of everything oh. that went wrong for the entire <laughs> day. <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, it's all a progression, right? Yeah. So you practice, you get better, you try to figure out what, what you're doing wrong, mm-hmm. you know, what you can improve on. Every match you go to, you try to come back and, uh, with a list of things to work on to sure. make yourself better. So I don't I don't really get too wrapped around it if I yeah. don't do well, you know, as long as I can identify where I went wrong yeah. and it's concrete, then yeah. I'm I figure that's a learning experience. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah, obviously you said initially that you you weren't sure if it was your skills or whether it was your equipment that was holding yeah. you back and, and of course you changed equipment and saw a significant jump in that. Yeah. But no doubt since that point it's come back to skills at some at oh, some for sure. point. What, what is there some particular skills that you've you've identified and worked on that you've you've come through and, and end up you know sort of being much happier with your performance in in such? Um, well, so I think uh, it's it's kind of interesting. One thing I've noticed over time is that um, you know I, I most of my early kind of marksmanship training mm-hmm. was through something we have here in the U.S. called the Project Appleseed. And Project okay. Appleseed is a nonprofit organization that teaches revolutionary U.S. Revolutionary War history, as okay. well as uh, marksmanship. And wow. they they base it off of the 1950s kind of Army marksmanship training program. Yep. And uh, and all of those skills are directly transferable to PRS. So, um, okay. you know, fundamentals of breathing, you know, trigger squeeze. Uh, target acquisition, mm-hmm. you know, site picture, all those kind of things are directly transferable. So um, that's the training I had before I picked up that precision rifle. Yep. And uh, I was happy to see that those were very directly relatable. So those fundamentals sure. are really, really important. So mm-hmm. getting the fundamentals down for, through whatever venue you get them at, even pistol training, right? I mean, your, your breathing and your um, trigger squeeze are yep. the same as when you shoot a rifle. You know, I mean, you may handle the pistols differently, but uh, but generally speaking, there's a lot of transferable skills. Yeah, the concepts are, are very much the same. Yeah, but for PRS, there's a ton of other skills that people are uh, <laughs> people need. Yeah, uh, and then the a lot of the difficult things early on were you know things like you know how do I you know I trained at 100 yards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I got to shoot at something at 600 yards. How do I calculate where the trajectory needs to go? Right. So figuring out all the ballistical ballistic stuff. Yep was kind of really difficult. And so um, the applied ballistics books, like the yep. applied ballistics. I see them all up shooting. there on the rack. Yeah, those yep. are, I think those were really a huge help for me. Yeah, um, no doubt. You know, figuring out, you know, why a G1 BC is different than a G7 BC. What do they mean? Mm-hmm. You know, what things you have to worry about? You know, do you have to worry about Crealis? You know, all those kind of things. That was really a eye-opening book so yeah, I, I, I bet. And and do you still reference them today? Do you still yeah, go I, back? I, yeah, I still. I don't not, don't go to back to them all the time, but yeah, I definitely reference uh, some of their their newer books. 
um, have like a article based series. So like, uh, yeah, sure. and I, I definitely go back and reference those. So like the laser rangefinder article yes. from Nick Vitalbo. Yeah, that's excellent. That one, the 22 rimfire one. Mm. I mean, so I definitely go back and reference those. Mm. Fantastic. From what I understand, from certainly in Australia, the, the thing we know most about Bison Tactical is the tactical udders. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's much more to the business than that. <laughs> but that's certainly the most notable product that we see. Yeah. Um, how did you come up with an udder to shoot from? Yeah. Were, were, so are you a cow fan or a... No, no. no okay. uh, so what happened was... Uh, and then, so um, I was using a Reezer Game Changer originally mm-hmm. and um, had... Uh, you know, was thinking, okay, so I'm, the Game Changer is really great. Um, I was using it for a while. Uh, and the here at the time, what was happening was match directors were really trying to, and they probably still do this, uh, they're trying to stump the shooter, right? So it's mm-hmm. all problem-solving, pure. Sure. And you don't know what your stage is going to be like till you get there. So yep. they try to create a stage that's going to be a problem that you have to solve, and you have to come up with a way of solving it with on short notice. Yeah. So I was just sort of thinking through, if I were a match director, what would I do to make the Reezer Game Changer not work? And so okay. I just, I figured if if the match director made you shoot, instead of perpendicular to the prop, made you shoot parallel to the prop, that would cause, it would t- yep. basically take away the advantage of the long surface of the, uh, mm-hmm. of the Reezer Game Changer. So I said, well, how would I solve that? And that's where the idea came from, is to kind of like, have an equal sort of surface area to shoot from mm-hmm. no matter which orientation it was, if it was perpendicular or parallel to the shooting surface. So for those who uh, have, haven't seen one and remembering we're yeah. on an audio format, yep. somehow, can you describe what a, what a yeah, kind of looks? Yeah, is? well, it kind of looks like a, a, a cow's udder, right? And so <laughs> that, that, that came from like the yeah. uh, Battle of Breakneck uh, a couple years ago. Some mm-hmm. guys from Defiance, I think, were parked next to me and I had a prototype there, and they're like, oh, hey, dude, that looks like an udder. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's like a tactical udder because it was multicam or something like that. And so uh, so that's where the name originally came from was somebody else like kind of making a comment about it. But, yeah, it has four little legs that stick down and a flat top and mm. handles on the two sides, um, and it's filled with heavy fill, so it's a heavy uh, yeah. bag. Um, and, the, and the weight's really useful. Like uh, mm. if you make it – I have a lot of people asking, can you just fill it with really lightweight fill? But the really lightweight fill wouldn't cause those legs to hang down. They need yeah. the weight to cause them to conform around objects. Yep. And yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah, it works really great on, like, pipes, tree limbs. Mm. Uh, you know, it works really good on pointy stuff. So you can put it on the top of a tripod. It works really great. It'll conform yep. right around the tripod or, you know, pointy rocks, uh, mm. you know, cattle gates, uh, tons <laughs> of stuff. Yeah, okay. And, and they've been obviously very popular. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, are you finding you finding guys sort of choosing that and that's their only bag, or is it really a, a matter no. of most people have a, a splattering of equipment? Yeah, I think most people have end up with multiple bags. It's yeah. kind of like pistol holsters, from what I hear. You know, you're you end up with a bunch of different bags for a variety of solu- problems that you need to solve. Mm-hmm. So people end up with several bags typically. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. You know, the a big bag for space that's lightweight yep. and small bag for the rear of the rifle. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very unique design, very <laughs> unique <Yeah. laughs> product, particularly the one up there that is black oh. and white, uh, that is very much a cow. So keep an eye out. We actually have a, uh, I got a, uh, a Holstein skin delivered to my <laughs> seamstress. <laughs> <laughs> so there'll be a hair on oh, no. Holstein. Wow. Actual 
Tactical Editor coming out soon. <laughs> Look for Facebook. That should be good. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting. And you've delved into a couple other products? Yeah, for sure. Point. So we make a really, really small rear bag mm-hmm. called a tiny rear bag. And uh, that's just because uh, when I'm shooting, I tried to use the Tactical Utter one season for my only bag. And it was really hard yep. uh, when you need a small bag in the back because it's kind of big. So it's... Yeah. it's uh, difficult to make it fit the role of a really small bag. Mm-hmm. So there's certain scenarios where like you're shooting at an up angle, a steep up angle where you need the rear of the rifle to be low. Mm-hmm. You still want something under the rifle, but uh, it can't be bulky. Gotcha. Um, so that, and then it also works well if you're shooting through like a porthole of some kind. So yeah. like if you're shooting through rocks and your scope doesn't really fit, you know, if you use a big bag, so you need something really minimal, uh, you know, like a a skin on the rifle would work well too. It's just something to yep. stop it from uh, from moving around. Something okay. soft. And so they're they're a tiny little bag, aren't they? What, yeah, what it's they, only like the size called. of a sandwich or something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So quite small. Although your sandwiches in America are yeah, that's much true. Bigger, <laughs> much bigger compared <laughs> I guess to what we used to. All your food is much bigger. <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh. Yeah, we're going we're going home bigger than we came. I think. Yeah. Uh, definitely. <laughs> no yeah, no uh, extra wheat charges on the <laughs> on the planes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. And so, have you had any requests? And if not, this is one uh, for a tatuada with like nozzles with drink bottles in it. Oh no! <laughs> no, because no. That's I'm putting that request forward on the on the tips. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So I want, I want four, <laughs> four iced coffee milk bottles uh, in there. So in case you get thirsty during stage, that's right. That's uh, yeah. It's adjustable fill. You can just <laughs> quench four people's thirst at once. at once. That's right. Yeah, yeah. No, let's. Um, <laughs> I, I now regret saying that. <laughs> you took someone, it there. I, I know I did. I know I did. And now I'm I'm, I'm recanting my message and my options. So. Yeah, and so what's uh, what's your next match, Fred? Are you, uh, are you shooting any sort of bigger matches this year? Yeah, yep. yeah. I'm, I think I have like uh, eight matches this year scheduled. So, wow. um, as long as I can end up making them all, gotcha. uh, some of them are filling up quick this year. So, yeah, the Arizona match filled up already. Uh, I think uh, Jake's match filled up really fast. Yeah, that was real quick. That one. So the uh, Rocky Mountain Mayhem is the first match I have. That's a two day match. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's not too. Maybe a month. And where's that? that? It's out in Utah, in Price, Utah. Utah. Okay. So it's still pretty close, like in about eight hours. That's East Utah, sort of close to the border, or? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know exactly geographically where it is. We drive out there all the time, but I, I don't know exactly. Don't know it's where a it really is. nice range. Okay. Um, so it's a fun match. We shot it last year. It was a lot of fun. So mm. I think it'll be a great match this year. And all your all your matches you said within about eight hours. That, that's where you. This year, I'm trying to I'm bigger. trying to keep it a little closer. Yep. I did a lot of matches last year, and the weekend back-to-back matches were really tough. Oh, yeah, a bit. Uh, yeah. You know, Oklahoma's 12 hours, 10 hours. So yeah, well, we know. We, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we drive up from there. <laughs> yeah, that's it's hard to do that. You know, you leave on Friday, and you come back Sunday really late, so yeah. it's tough. But if there's, I guess if there's a few of you traveling, it makes it a bit easier on the drive. And, For sure. And keeps costs down, and yep. yeah, it makes it makes a good, fun weekend away. Yeah, yeah, but I guess you've got to be back here because uh, right. you got to open the shop up for sure. <laughs> and then uh, you know, I, I have a lot of the I'm be attending a lot of club matches too. Okay, yeah, yeah, the lo- so. local ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. Well, you, you're certainly out there and shooting. Yeah, yeah it's fun. Is, it's good training. Today. And what are you running at the moment, equipment wise? Uh, so I have a Bighorn TL3 mm-hmm. uh, Bartline barrel. Uh, right now, I'm shooting a. At that match, I was fireforming my BRA loads. Okay. So I switched from a dasher to a BRA, so we'll see how that works. Yeah. As long as the velocity is the same, I'm going to stick with the BRA. And, and so what's the theory there? 
changing. Uh, longer barrel life, less fire forming hassle. Okay. Um, of the BRA over the dasher. Dasher is really a two step firing fire forming process. It's kind of a right. pain. Okay. Um, and so if I can have an easier fire forming, it's easier to kind of add brass into the mix. Yeah. And then longer barrel life. Like Scotty, one of the guys that was shooting at the match, mm-hmm. he has 2,800, 2,900 rounds in his barrel now and still going still strong. Still going strong. Yep. Okay. Dasher is usually around 24, 25. Yep. And so, falling off. Yep. Yeah, okay. So that'll be kind of a dual benefit. And I'm running a heavy barrel this mm-hmm. year, so probably a 1.20 um, contour. Yeah, it's not okay. up there. It's That's actually in the case still. Was that the one we saw the other day? No. No. Oh, okay. the one the one you saw the other day was yeah. the the BRA I shot. That's the yeah, the really the heavy one. Yeah. That was really heavy. <laughs> it's not that really that heavy. It's only about 17 pounds without the scope. So it's probably a 20, 20 pound rifle, all said and done. It was heavy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, running that on barricades could be uh I guess once you once you get it to the height, you'd be fine. Yeah, but it's it's really stable. It doesn't yeah, move much. <laughs> yeah. It's just getting it up there, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, moving it around, but Cool. And, and what sort of, you know, what are you seeing in terms of trends of match directors and matches styles? Is, is there something where you're seeing big diversity or are they, they heading well, they, sort of one way or the other? Yeah, for a while, the match directors were really getting creative. Um, and that, there was a little bit of negative uh, feedback on that. So, yeah. like, for an example, like a lot of the jiggly tables or like floating things, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was a, you know, a stage where you had to shoot off of a, moving table while you're sitting in a lawn chair where your rifle was on a rope. And so it was like, okay, at some point you get past like any reasonable like connection to reality. Yep. And that's, and I, so I think that, that that's sort of gone back down. There's okay. less of that. There, there was this sort of escalating one-upmanship of mm. the match directors to kind of make it more unique. And, yep. um, and it, it's sort of, and I think it's kind of now, like pulled it back in, which yeah. is good because I think it's it's good to keep it practical. But um, the the biggest thing you know I I like about matches is I, I, I kind of don't care if they're difficult. I want them to be fun. Yeah. So if I go out and I shoot and I have fun, that's a good match. Yeah. And so you know, and and you know, it's nice to have it be practical. It's nice not to have to do weird, crappy, weird, crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, just make it fun. So. So that's the biggest thing I think for match directors, but yeah, and and so I haven't seen any other real, uh, real, uh, yeah, no, you know, nothing um, too complex, yeah, and, yeah, no, and no, no other real trends other than okay, I think they're coming back from this craziness. Well, I think that that's yeah, you know, that's sort of inherent, like you know, a relatively new sport, yeah, r- relatively new, it's yeah, pushing its limits in the directions, and then you know, you go, oh, we've gone down that path a little bit. The feedback was you know, right, not the right path. <laughs> take, take it back and say edge back and yeah no doubt it'll sort of it'll push out elsewhere and keep finding its way until it sort of really settles down for sure into into whichever direction it, it's going to end up going mm. but but i think you know that we, we certainly you know in australia as well the, the feedback of bringing keeping it practical keeping it fun uh, yeah is is yeah i think it's sensible it's really sensible to go down that path so um but you know you mentioned before problem solving is a big part of it for sure, yeah, which is which is practical, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. And it, and it's uh, what keeps it interesting, right? Yeah. So if you if you were shooting this, at least for me, if I was shooting the same thing over and over again, yeah. just trying to fine tune tiny tiny details, it would be too boring. It'd be bench rest shooting. Yeah, you know. I mean, you know, I, I haven't tried bench rest shooting. So I don't know if it's boring, but I just assume <laughs> that it, you know, would <laughs> be for assume, me. Shame it is. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I like 
going to new locations. I yep. like getting presented new different positions I have to shoot off of. Mm. Um, applying the things that I know have learned before yep. to the new situation. When it doesn't work, figuring out, okay, now I know I have to figure out a solution for that for the future. Yeah. And those kind of things. And then the terrain, being able to shoot in... Like we were shooting at on a square range, but we were using terrain that was we different. We were, yeah, yeah. And that that stuff is really good. Um, shooting in those, those kind of conditions is really good for learning mm. about like what the wind does and the terrain. You know, we shot at uh, Dog Valley last year. There was we were shooting it up an angle, and when the wind was coming from one direction, it pushed everybody's bullets up because <laughs> the wind was going up the slope. Yep. And you had to compensate for that. And if you didn't, you would miss. Mm. And those kind of conditions are really useful. So yep. that's. Also, in a good, a good, fun thing to yeah. It's kind of being nice, being even in, on a square range, but it wasn't a flat range. Right, it was exactly. for, for X amount of you know hundred yards. Yes, um, but beyond that, it was it was all over the shop, which yep. made it quite challenging for sure. Quite challenging, <laughs> and you got some interesting wildlife that came on that range during yeah, the next, coyote, next yeah. to a coyote target. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, an antelope as well oh, yeah. were on there, and and some all sorts of birds and. Blackhawk helicopters and yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was a, it was it was good fun. It was good fun. Well, we uh, we need to rush off because we actually have a plane to catch <laughs> very shortly. So perfect. Well, Fred, thanks for th- having me on. Thanks heaps for uh, for letting us come in and chat away and and uh, good luck this year both with the business with Boston Tactical and with your you know performance at matches and oh, good luck with that real heavy gun. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and your tactical milking udder. That's uh, right. That's, uh, <laughs> the request in so far that butters really wants. <laughs> No. No, nod doesn't. No. Nodding doesn't work on, on <laughs> No, on not nodding, shaking my shaking head at it. Shaking your head, well one of the two. <laughs> you got to you got to speak butters. Anyway, we're uh, we've been on the road for three and a half weeks and we're all pretty wrecked and we're ready to go on a plane and sit there for what do we work out about 33 hours Close to 30 like. hours worth of <laughs> Of trouble. We can't wait. Lots of we can't wait. Awesome, Fred. Well, thanks very much, and uh, hopefully we haven't got a parking ticket for our car. We'll <laughs> talk to you soon, mate. Thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Impact Dynamics.